Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on today's program. Our show today is brought to you by Sonos, the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Make sure you go to Sonos.com to learn more. On today's show, a deeper dive into what went wrong for the Duke basketball game versus Ohio State. Also want to talk about the Duke football head coach search, the postseason awards handed out to the Duke football team, and Duke women's basketball off to a very hot start. We'll discuss all of that throughout today's program. My name is JJ Jackson, and I'm the host of this podcast. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts, as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Without further ado, let's dive right into today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils. As we get going here today on Lockdown Blue Devils, again, I want to say thank you so much for making us your first listen each and every day and first listen when it comes to all things Duke athletics. All right, so Duke basketball suffered their first loss of the season earlier this week on Tuesday night in Columbus, taking on Ohio State. The Blue Devils leading the Buckeyes by 13 at halftime, and in the second half, Duke had a 15-point lead three different times. Frustrating loss. For Duke, really, really frustrating loss, as I discussed with Josh Cox on yesterday's program. Also, considering the fact the last time we saw Duke play prior to the Ohio State game was arguably, no, it wasn't. It wasn't arguable. It was their best game of the season, the one that they had against Gonzaga, a three-point victory over the number one team in the country, a team that bare or almost went undefeated a year ago before falling to Baylor in the national championship game. So Duke falls short against Ohio State, scoring just 23 points in the second half, and again, that 13-point lead that they had at halftime. In the second half alone, offensively, Duke shot 7 of 31 from the floor. That's 22.6% from the field. To compare, Duke shot 52.9% from the floor in the first half. So they dropped all the way down to 22.6% from the floor in the second half, including 1 of 8 from 3-point range, 12.5%. From deep. Paolo, the leader for the Duke basketball team, the best player by far, goes 0 for 7 in the second half, does not make a shot from the floor. That's not a winning formula. And then Wendell Moore Jr. had the best positive spurts for Duke offensively in that second half. But shooting wise, his percentage was not great. And we've praised his percentage all season long. Wendell goes 3 of 9 from the floor in the second half versus Ohio State. He finished with the team high 17 points versus the Buckeyes. Defensively, also for Duke in that first half, they forced nine turnovers. In the second half, Duke only forced three turnovers. Again, they had a 15-point lead three different times in the second half and cannot find a way to defeat Ohio State, who wins by a score of 71-66. to Duke with just 23 points in the second half. Foul trouble was another issue for Duke basketball. You can't always give this as an excuse, but it is worth noting that Duke had four players with four fouls. One player with five, that was Theo John, who fouled out of the contest, and one player with two fouls. Duke had 23 fouls called against him compared to just 14 for Ohio State. Look, I get it. It's Duke basketball. More times than not, even if you don't want to admit it, more times than not, Duke basketball is going to get the benefit of the whistle. Just unfortunate. When they don't, that means you've got to be playing better ball offensively. 
and Duke was not able to do that. In the second half, not only were they missing shots, again, 7 of 31 in the second half, they were taking really bad shots, a lot of ISO shots, a lot of out-of-system shots, not sharing the basketball. Another factor for Duke was that Mark Williams was not involved. He only took one shot in the first half, so not aggressive right out of the gates after he had had consecutive really, really good games. Again, was arguably the most forceful and dominant player versus Gonzaga. He only took one shot in the first half. Mark Williams was in foul trouble all game long. He only played 22 minutes of the 40 out there on the floor and uh, finished with eight points and seven rebounds. But again, a, a good number of those shots came in the second half. Only one in the first half. Duke's got to find a way to be more aggressive. And then when they were trying to force things, either Mark Williams was on the bench in foul trouble or Mark Williams wasn't getting the basketball or when he was, he was taking an ill-advised shot. So Duke is better when Mark Williams is better. And I think this team is starting to figure that out. I think the coaching staff is as well. They know that when they can have Mark Williams be the most dominant big man in the ACC, which he is capable of doing, and the country in a lot of ways, he's getting first-round buzz now from NBA scouts, you know Duke basketball is going to be better when Mark Williams is playing better. Ohio State led in total for 4 minutes and 59 seconds of game time. Again, Ohio State led in total for excuse, 5 minutes and 59 seconds of game time. 4 minutes and 58 seconds that they were leading were in the first half. That means that only 61 seconds, the final 61 seconds of the game, were the Buckeyes winning, and they were winning comfortably as they won by that five-point margin. So really, really frustrating to have that loss not go your way. Given the stats for Duke, you would have thought that they would have been blown out, but considering they were holding on to the lead and Ohio State starts to fight back, gain momentum, they're in their home building, over 20,000 people uh, getting really excited about that sort of thing. Yeah, it stinks. And now Duke has to wait a long time until they're back in action. It was going to be two weeks to the day from the Ohio State game, so that's December 14th. Duke will be back in action versus South Carolina State, who is 1-7, not good at all. The ESPN Basketball Power Index gives the Blue Devils a 99.2% chance to win that game. Then they play 5-4 Appalachian State. Duke's got a 94.6% chance. Then they play 5-2 Cleveland State, a 96% chance of victory, according to the ESPN Basketball Power Index for Duke in their final three non-conference games before they jump into ACC play at home versus Virginia Tech on December 22nd. Duke basketball falls to Ohio State, 71-66. So taking a look at the things that just didn't work for Duke in the second half, it was all offense. Again, they could not buy a bucket, a lot of ill-advised shots. Paolo goes 0 for 7, Wendell just 3 of 9 in the second half, and the team 7 of 31 from the floor, 1 of 8 from three-point range. Coach K, another season of hosting basketball and beyond with Coach K on Sirius XM. Says he, however, very pleased with this team's performance and their ability to get up for these big games through the first eight games of the season. Here's what he had to say on his radio show. You know, for four of my guys, it's their seventh college game. You know, and they're, in their eighth college games, they've played in Madison Square Garden against Kentucky in front of a capacity crowd. They've played in Vegas against Gonzaga in front of a capacity crowd. And then they've played at Ohio State uh, in front of 20,000, I think, in, or whatever and their and capacity is. They, sure. Yeah, they, no, and they, in all three venues. So the thing I found out about my team is they, they, they like being in those venues. You know, we have a couple guys, they're 18 years old. When I was 18, there's no way I could have handled that. 
And I remember the freshmen weren't even eligible. Crowd, my right? first game, yeah, my first game against Princeton, who was very good. They're a top ten team with Pete Carroll. I was nervous as hell, and and uh, the, my guys weren't aren't nervous. They they're excited, <laughs> and so I marvel yeah. at that that they can do that. And and so when people say, "Well, you didn't do this," you didn't. I say, "Come on, man." Well, yeah, when you were eighteen That's and you're playing. Though. Just settle down and enjoy watching watching them grow. Love it. I'm loving this team, and I, I think they will be able to bounce back, particularly in those non-conference games, get off to a good start in ACC competition. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we shift gears to football. Duke football has reached the end of the 2021 season. Notes on that after this on Lockdown Blue Devils. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back at Better Than Ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your sports. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back into the program. Again, you're listening to Locked On Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson. I proudly serve as the host. Duke football finishes the year with a 3 and 9 record. They went winless 0 and 8 in ACC competition. The postseason awards were given out by the conference. Mateo Durant was the only first-team All-ACC selection for the Blue Devils. Mateo Durant, the first-team All-ACC running back. Finished the year with 1,241 yards, as we've talked about. That is a school record for most yards in a single season. He did that on 255 attempts and had nine touchdowns this year. Finishing his career with 18 total touchdowns and yardage-wise, he finishes with the fourth-most rushing yards in school history. Really impressive there from Mateo Durant. Jake Bobo was a third-team All-ACC wide receiver, finished with a team-high 74 grabs, good for ninth in all of the ACC, 794 yards receiving, just one score. Finishes his career, does Jake Bobo, graduating as a senior with 1,441 yards, 125 catches, that's 18th all-time among Duke wide receivers. He could add to those totals because he does have an extra year of eligibility due to COVID-19, but like we discussed a little bit earlier in the week, Jake Bobo has entered the transfer portal. He's going to get his Duke degree and play his final season of college football elsewhere, it appears. Dwayne Carter, the sophomore defensive tackle, finished his third-team All-ACC defensive tackle, finished with 37 tackles, 7.5 tackles for loss, 4.5 sacks, 4 forced fumbles, and 3 pass breakups. Jaka Hayward finishes as a third-team All-ACC linebacker with 98 tackles. That's the most on the Duke football team, fifth in the ACC. Are those 98 tackles, 11.5 tackles for loss, three sacks, one INT, and one pass breakup for Shaka Hayward. And then Duke had three honorable mentions in All-ACC selections. Offensive guard, Jacob Monk. Return man, Jalen Stinson, who again had two kickoff returns for touchdowns, most for a Duke football player since 2019 and tied for second. In all of college football this season was Jalen Simpson out of Opelika, Alabama with the most kickoff return touchdowns for Duke football. All right, and then uh, Jack Wollabaugh, the center, was also an honorable mention All-ACC. He had 904 snaps at that center spot for Duke, a native of Akron, Ohio. 
his college eligibility has officially expired. So Duke football, again, seven players recognized by uh, the ACC being all-conference selections. Mateo Durant, first-team running back. Jake Bobo, third-team wide receiver. Dwayne Carter, third-team D-tackle. Shaka Hayward, third-team linebacker. And then Jacob Monk, Jalen Stimson, Jack Willebaugh got honorable mention for All-ACC. We've talked about this yesterday with Josh Cox. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it on the Locked On Blue Devils podcast feed, available wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the Apple podcast platform. Leave us a five-star rating and review, or find us on Odyssey as well. Uh, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic listed out a couple of candidates. Josh Cox yesterday did a good job of going over some coaching candidates. I just want to reiterate some of these, and again, this is coming from Bruce Feldman with The Athletic. He's been on top of all of the coaching carousel news. He is every single year, and this year, once again, he's just back in his bag, doing his thing. I mean, this guy is dominating the coverage there with the Lincoln Riley to USC news. You've got, of course, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to go down to LSU. Good things are happening uh, for the college football coaching carousel. It's very busy if you're into that sort of thing. All right, candidates for the Duke job now that David Cutcliffe and Duke have parted ways after 14 seasons. We mentioned Army coach Jeff Monken at 54 years old, has been there for five seasons, a 43-19 and record. Oklahoma State defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, 56 years old. He was the Duke defensive coordinator from 2010 until 2017. He's a possibility. His name's kind of been rumored out there. Michigan offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis at 37 years old. Again, he is a native of Durham, went to high school in Durham, played college football at Wake Forest before going to the NFL, and now he's regarded as one of the brightest minds in all of college football, working there with Jim Harbaugh. The holdup is that Michigan's got this conference championship game this weekend, of course, when they take on Iowa in the Big Ten championship game, and then a possible playoff selection. So Josh Gaddis remaining committed right now to Michigan. How quickly does Duke want to move along their process in naming a head coach? That could potentially be a holdup. And then another name that I wanted to throw out today, Bruce Feldman said some other names that we mentioned yesterday, but one I found interesting that I wanted to uh, throw out there. Mississippi State wide receivers coach Steve Spurrier Jr. That name sound familiar? 40 years old. The namesake, of course, his dad, Steve Spurrier, had one of the best coaching tenures for Duke football in the modern era. Steve Spurrier Jr. went to Duke, played at Duke, a Duke grad, has all of the Duke connections with his father being there at the school, and he's been around really good football staffs with his dad at Florida, and then he was on Bob Stoop's staff at Oklahoma, actually won a national championship on the coaching staff with Oklahoma, and he's getting a lot of love right now at Mississippi State. Mike Leach has come to the SEC with his air raid offense, doing a great job with those wide receivers is Steve Spurrier Jr. You know he knows what it's like to be a head coach. He watched his dad do it his entire life growing up. So, yeah, throw him into the mix, and he's got the Duke connections. There's a couple of names to be on the lookout for. That's coming from Bruce Feldman with The Athletic. Coming up next, I will go over the Duke women's basketball hot start. They're off and rolling. You're listening to Locked on Blue Devils. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are certainly missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-sugar, low-fat, and high in protein. All the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious with so many flavors. This month, Built Bar is coming out with a whole new limited-time flavors every three to four days, so check their website often 
you don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. The promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. Final segment here today on Locked On Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson. Duke women's basketball is now 7-0 this season after they had a 79-64 win last night over number 9 Iowa. The Blue Devils were led by Day Wilson, who is a freshman. She's coming off the bench all seven games of this season. She's come off the bench and is averaging 17 point, or excuse me, 13.1 points per game. Last night, Shea had 19 points, four rebounds, and four assists. She's coming off her best performance, though, versus Troy. Shea had a 9-for-14 shooting day, 26 points scored, and went 8-for-10 from three-point range. Insane numbers for a freshman for Duke who's coming off the bench, and she was one of the last additions to the roster. Carol Lawson got to her late in the recruiting process. You'll hear a little bit about that in just a moment when we hear from Duke women's basketball head coach Carol Lawson. Junior Celeste Taylor last night versus Iowa, 17 points and 13 rebounds. That's a guard rebounding the basketball well. She's the leading scorer for Duke this season so far at 15.3 points per game. Lexi Gordon having a good year through the 7-0 start at 12.1 points per game, 37% shooting from three-point range. Uh, and then, again, Celeste Taylor, the leading scorer, 17 points, 13 rebounds last night, her sixth career double-double. This Duke team at 7-0 is right outside the top 25. That's right around the corner, or the, uh, the, the rankings for Duke, that they'll be in the top 25 now that they've got another win here and this one against a top-10 team in Iowa. Listen to this stat. So going into last night, so far this season in women's college basketball, unranked teams versus top-10 teams were 0-47. 0-47 unranked teams versus top-10 teams. That number's got to change. you got to give the Duke women's basketball team a 1 there because they got the win last night by 15 points over number 9 Iowa big time. Duke goes to Philly and plays against the Penn Quakers on Sunday. And then next Wednesday, December 15th, or that's two Wednesdays for now, excuse me, uh, December 15th, Duke will play at home inside Cameron Indoor Stadium versus number one South Carolina. That's going to be a really big test for the Duke women's basketball team, again, taking on number one South Carolina. But in short order, they should be ranked in the top 25. Let's listen to head coach Carol Lawson after last night's win. Just really proud of our, our defensive effort tonight uh, as a team. I thought we were locked in to the game plan. I thought we were locked into the scheme. And, and um, you know, just they, they're they such a good offensive team. And um, we, we needed to try to make things more difficult for them, make them less efficient, uh, not put them on the line too much. A really good free throw shooting team. Uh, so I, I'm just proud defensively of, of how our group uh, it translated from what we worked on to to the game, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll try and keep growing as a group. Hey, um, with Caitlin Clark, she's such a talented player. She can score from a lot of places. How did you guys sort of handle the defensive assignments on her? Like you threw different bodies at her. She took some tough shots that you guys kind of kept her out of the paint till late. What was kind of the primary emphasis of how you wanted to defend her? We, we just wanted to guard her within our system. So um, I think primarily it ended up being V and Shy that guarded her in the matchup. Um, we do switch some things. And um, we always say to our team, like, in transition, you pick up whoever, 
right? The greatest threat. So sometimes in transition, we got other people on or two. Um, so I wouldn't say we did anything special um, specifically to her. Um, our players just knew uh, the th type of threat she was, uh, knew her tendencies, and then just tried to do the best job that they could. And, um, you know, she missed some shots tonight she, she normally makes. She's a really good player. Um, but I thought um, her shots were challenged, and that's what we were hoping for. Carol, uh, these are kind of two closely related stat lines. After kind of a shaky first period, Duke started cutting down the turnovers, and Duke out-rebounded Iowa by 10. So as a result, Duke had had more possessions than Iowa, had more field goal attempts and, and more foul shots. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, we, we thought the free throw uh, battle was going to be critical just because I think they shot 86% from the line uh, coming into the game, and, well, they went 9 for 10, so they probably <laughs> might be at 87 on the year. Gosh, they're really efficient at the line. Uh, we, we felt like if we could keep them off that line, that would give us a great opportunity. So I'm proud that our players were able to do that. And then um, the rebounding, we talked about it as a group. Um, it, it's important that everybody does it. It's not just on our, our post players. They had a really hard challenge tonight to keep 25 off the glass themselves. So our guards had to come in and do that. Celeste obviously had another fantastic night on the boards as a guard to have double-digit rebounds. I, I thought she had some key ones in the second half to get the stop for us. And let me ask you, if I may, about Shade Wilson. She was such a late addition to the program. She kind of slipped under a lot of people's radar. When did, did you know from the beginning she was going to be this good? Just talk about her importance to, to this team. Well, um, she, she has played well the last couple games. Um, I agree with you. She's um, somebody that has a potential to be explosive offensively. Um, she's somebody that's a two-way player. She's very strong defensively as well. You can see she guarded um, Clark for a lot of that second half. Um, so we just, we're, we're just excited that she keeps growing, that she keeps showing progress. And uh, all of our players, we have a lot to work on with all of them. But um, they all show the ability to take coaching, try to do what we're asking them to do, and then put it out there on the floor. So, yes, for Shy to come in as a freshman and her first game against a ranked team to play well, not just play okay, but to play well, um, she should take a lot of confidence from this game. Great stuff there from Carol Lawson, really turning this program around. Still so young in her tenure. Again, Duke women's basketball only played those four games last year before COVID-19 kind of halted the Blue Devils basketball season. Can't wait to see what she's doing with that program because it's awesome stuff. All right, before we get out of here today, just kind of end of season recaps and let you know again that the uh, men's and women's soccer teams had terrific years in the ACC. Unfortunately, their years have come to a close in postseason play. Men's soccer upset by number 10 St. Louis. 4-3. to three. They lost the game 4-3 to three in the NCAA tournament third round. And then last weekend, the women's soccer team lost 2-1 to one to Santa Clara at home in Durham. Santa Clara, the reigning national champions. That was in the NCAA quarterfinals. So basically an Elite Eight appearance for the Duke women's soccer team, but came up just a bit short. Both those teams, men's and women's soccer for Duke, had excellent seasons and can't wait to see what the future holds for them. Next week, going to be a whole lot of fun, a lot of recap stuff with Duke basketball because, again, the Blue Devils are not back in action on the basketball floor until December 14th. You can connect with me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now 
on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. Now, take my word, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Big weekend with the conference championship games in college football, NFL Week 13 action. Busy, busy time of the year, so make sure you're checking out the Locked On Bets podcast. They can give you the best gambling advice that you need. That'll do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you on Monday. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.